0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. Come on, come on. There's always so much going on in the first part of the year. But I want you to highlight for, if you would for me, these next two weeks of prayer and fasting. And then, did you hear them talk about the 17th, 18th, and 19th? For the very first time this year, we're going to set aside three evenings together, and we're going to do church all three days. Just church three times, a church, 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 okay? And I'm inviting now um, some, some, uh, some of my friends. we got Carrie Robinson going to be coming out, Pastor Carrie, we got um, Pastor Casey Kendall going to be in the house. And what we're going to do is set aside those three nights, listen, to intentionally hear from God. You need to hear from God this year. Uh we call in, we're calling those events Vox tonight. If you know Vox, it's just a cool word for a voice. And what you need more than anything, listen, you need to hear God's voice. You know your God is a speaking God, and God wants you to hear his voice? The Bible says you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. And I want to invite you out to those three nights as we seek after God with all of our hearts. I've been asking our guest speakers to be praying about what God The word that God would have them to bring to our house, to bring to our church. Um, Believing God to do incredible things in those nights as we hear from his word. And we worship him just back to back to back to back. Now, of course, we're doing it citizen style. We're going to have after parties and everything else. Rumor is, too, we got a tent that we rented that we're going to try to drop in the middle of somewhere. It has an old tent. Revivals. Come on. Like, everybody. Got to talk like that. So. Um, be looking forward to more information on those, uh, those nights, those Vox nights. But I want you to mark them in your calendar because it'll going to be very powerful and very, very important. And I'd love to see all of you there, all right? You guys ready? So we're talking about what, what we need to do first. How many of you know what you do first, it matters a lot? Because what you do, like think about this, what you do first actually is what impacts everything that follows, And if you mess up what you do first, it messes up everything that comes next. But if you get the first thing right, chances are the second thing can go right. Does that make sense, everybody? Like there's just the order. There's just order to things. Like you've got some things you need to do first. Now. I know as we look at a year like this, you've got all sorts, of, if you're like me, you've got all sorts of vision in your heart, you've got all sorts of things you want to do, all things, all things you want, all things you want to see, and you've got all these plans, and if you don't have any plans, and you haven't set for yourself some goals, and you don't believe in giving yourself some New Year's resolutions, I want to invite you to rewind, back a couple weeks, that was a tape rewinding, by the way, just put you in my brain. Back a couple of weeks and go listen to our message. The message I preached during our legacy series on, on getting a vision for your life. Like you gotta have some vision for your life. Now, here we are, new year, all sorts of vision, all sorts of anticipation, excitement, plans, what we want, what we want to do. And now here's what I want to say. Everybody, hey, hit pause real quick. Because before you go running out into, into all these things that you think are next for your year, there's something you gotta do first. And what you do first. Matters more than anything, you know. If you go run a marathon without first training for the marathon, you ain't gonna come first in the marathon. You might not even finish that marathon. Anyone ever ran a marathon in here? I'm gonna give you a chance. I'm gonna give you a chance right now to brag. Anyone ran a half marathon in here? I'm seeing, I was looking at you, Tatum. See that hand? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, like it takes some work. And and Trey's been talking. Trey's been talking. Let's hold him accountable, everybody. He's been talking all year about running the LA Marathon. When is the LA Marathon? It's next month. Hey, Pastor Trey, how much training have you put into getting ready for the LA Marathon? Can I tell you? It's been zero, right? But let's make him run it. How about we make him run it with zero training? Good luck. Anyone want to run an Let's put that together. Tayden, can you help me put that together? If you don't train first, you're going to find yourself in a situation where, man, you're just walking that thing. You're struggling in that thing. If, if you go running out to work without first getting ready first, you're gonna show up in your jammies. You still got old crusties in your eye and, and you're still half asleep because you haven't had your coffee. Everyone knows if you're gonna crush it when you get to work, you gotta crush it when you wake up in the morning, right? You gotta, gotta get yourself ready. You gotta undo all the damage of that night's sleep and trying to get them wrinkles back. That's where I'm at right now. Like, golly, Tatum bought me some wrinkle cream, everybody. Is that... For Christmas, is that what is that? It's like, thank you. I think, is that all right? And this shirt, by the way, she bought me this shirt. She told me how to wear it. I told her I don't feel comfortable in it. She said, just wear it anyway. So, thank you, Tate. Oh, Cadence bought me this shirt, and Tatum told me to wear it. So, there you go. Thank you. Um, where am I? Okay, so you got to get ready first, right? You got to. And it's just come on, you understand, you understand the importance of first. If you if you're gonna build a house, you gotta first lay the foundation. If you don't lay the foundation, everything you build is gonna fall. And so I need you to think about your year like that. I need you to think about your life like that. I mean, we got I want you to have vision and have plans, have dreams. I mean, all day. But but listen, very important, there's something you gotta do first. I, I don't know exactly. What's next for you this year? I know it's going to be good. I know God's got good things for you this year. I don't don't know exactly what God's got next for you this year, but I do know, here's what I'm talking about, I do know what you need to do first this year. And what every single one of us need to do as individuals, what we need to do as a church, and what we're going to do is we're going to put God first this year in everything. God first in our life, come on. God first in our heart. God first in our decisions. God first in our intentions. God, I man, I just want I want God first. You know, you know that what the true definition of a Christian really is as somebody who just says, "God, I'm going to put you first." Like, listen, Paul said it this way: For me to live is Christ. What is he saying? God first. God first. Christ first. Christ above all things, in all things, through all things. My life is Christ and Christ alone. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The reality of it is this, everybody, is that all of us right now, you're putting something first. Come on, you're putting something, you've got something you put first. And, I, and without me digging too far into your life, I could probably just follow your paycheck, your, uh, your checkbook a little bit, how you've been spending your money, how you've been spending your time, how, what you've been doing with your, with your days, and I could probably narrow it in pretty quick what you're putting first in your life. And I don't say all that as a way of, of trying to bring shame on you, I just want to bring encouragement to you, like, hey, just want to check you real quick before you go running off in this year, don't do the wrong things first. We're all gonna put something first. The question is, what are you putting first? Or another way to say it is this, what are you allowing to be first? See, almost like unintentionally, I've allowed some things to be first. Now, listen, here's what's so dangerous about firsts in our life. God says, that's my place. I'm the one who needs to be first in your life. Matter of fact, listen, do you know that the opposite of Christianity is not atheism? The opposite of Christianity is idolatry. Because everybody is worshiping something. Everybody is putting something first. Do you want to know what your God is? What are you putting first in your life? God says to you and I, listen, I am the only one. And we say amen that belongs in that spot of first. And so I just want to check our hearts as we go into this year and make sure that we are a people who are putting God first. Amen? So I'm going to say it to you like this. To put God first, we got to close the door first. Listen, and I'll make it make sense, but you can write it down. To put God first, I close the door first. I close the door first to put God first. You know, this thought of, um, of doors, of open doors, shows up all over Scripture. And um, I think a lot of us understand what that means, right? An open door so in revelation chapter 3 verse 7 through 8 it says this to the the to the messenger of the church of Philadelphia write the one who is holy the one who is true the the one who holds the key to David watch this speaking of Jesus the one who opens a door that no one can shut how many of you want to see some open doors this year that no one can shut come on can I hear you amen and a God who also shuts doors that no one can open. How many of you are grateful that God shuts some doors that you thought, man, I'm supposed to go in that, and you were trying to take an ax to that, and you were trying to get it, God said, nope, we're not opening that door. You look back now, and you say, thank you, God, for not opening that door. I tell you, there are some girls that I thought would make great wives, and I prayed to God, Lord Jesus, please. I look now, and I say, thank you, God. You did not open that door, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we just get a better amen in here? And did I lose my mic a little bit? I feel like I did. But um, I mean, just thank God for the doors that he, he closes and he says, no, no, you're not going in there. God's got a reason, right? But God loves to, to open doors and he's the God who opens doors. And we get that kind of illustration. You, you see it all through scripture. Let me give you a couple places just so it sinks in. Um, Acts chapter 14, verse 27 says that he has opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul says, a great and effective door has opened for me in Ephesus, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. We love this idea of open doors. God opened a door. What is an open door? A door is a way of getting me from where I am to where I want to be. A door transitions me from this situation to that situation. You see, the open door is the transitional moment. It's what I walk through to get from this job to that job, right? From this level of income to that level of income. From, from this uh, relationship or, or lack of relationship to now I'm in, right? Relationship. It's a, it's a transition. And so when you look at your year, you're saying, to yourself, inside, like God, would you open some doors this year? And that's a good prayer. So maybe you wanna open a door, like God open a door for a new job. God open a door for a new opportunity. God open a door for a new, uh, new you know, um, resource. God open a door, God just open a door. And you're, you're asking God to open a door. Here's my question. Where are you asking God to open some doors in your life? Where do you need to see God open doors in your life, okay? See, that becomes, follow, follow me here, the open doors we want in our life become the things that we're now chasing with our lives, right? We're gonna run after those things. That's the the vision we have for our lives. And so we think to ourselves, okay, God, open a door. I'm gonna go run after open doors. But here's what God says. Listen, if you're gonna put me first, don't just go out chasing open doors. Learn to close a door. Matthew chapter six, verse five through seven. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they might be seen by men. But watch this. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Next verse. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have, shut the door. When you have shut the door. Hey, turn to your neighbor. Tell him, shut the door. Come on, look at him. Say, shut the door. You got to learn to shut the door. You got to close the door. When you have shut the door, pray to your father who sees in the secret place. Come on, I'm going to teach you something here. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Church, listen. The key to an open door is learning to first close a door. The key to an open door is learning to first close a door. You want to see God open a door. You want to see God open some doors. You've got to learn, come on, today to close a door. A lot of people call this the the prayer closet. And the reality of it is this. Jesus isn't specifically speaking of an actual closet. Now, some of you, you might actually have a specific prayer closet. Now, my daughter, Raya, she would use her room to this day in there, in her room. She has a beautiful closet. Actually, she has a window in her closet, everybody. Come on, that would be my prayer closet, too. So she has a, this closet, and she has little stickies up, little notes of people she's praying for and everything else, and, and that's actually her spot where she goes, and she spends time with the Lord in her prayer closet. But here's what I want you to understand. That's where she's closing the door, and spending some time alone with God. Your prayer closet or learning to close the door isn't necessarily about a specific closet, but it is about a specific thing you're doing and potentially in a specific place you find yourself that can be in your car on your way to work. That can be sitting at the breakfast table with a cup of coffee. Come on, everybody. That's my spot. I like to sit in the backyard on our, on our backyard uh, furniture, and, and I sit there with my coffee and my Bible, and here's what I do is I close the door. Someone say, close the door. And what happens when you close the door? Think about it. When you close the door, it's you choosing to say, God, before I go running into this day. Before I go running into this year, before I go running into this decision, before I go running into the moments that are ahead of me, before I go, God, I just want to close the door. And when I close the door, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm moving myself away from the thousands of things that are out there that are crying for my attention. All the pressures, all the, all the decisions, all the, I'm, I'm closing the door on all the noise. And I'm just sitting in this moment with God where I'm saying, God, I want to hear from you first, I want to talk to you first. God, I, I, I want to I get your heart on this first. God I, God, I just want to be in this moment with you where I seek you first, where I put you first, because, God, I understand that the key to an open door is first learning to close a door. God, I understand that the key to walking in and everything you have for my life and everything you have for this year is not by me running after it and my strength and trying to do it all, even if I'm trying to do it for you. My key is to come here and say, God, I need you desperately. I've got to learn, come on, to close a door. And friends, if we're not careful, we go running out, spending all of our time and energy trying to find open doors. And Jesus is going, listen, first you just got to close a door. You know what? Places of employment, they talk about sometimes any of your bosses in here, you got an open door policy, right? What does that mean? Anyone can come at any time, talk about anything. Open door policy. Open door policy. And I thank God for those of you that are managing your places of employment with an open door policy. But here's what I want. We're going to do it this year. Come on, church. You and I are going to move into this year. Come on. we got a new policy. It's a closed door policy. Amen? I want you walking every day of this year with a closed door policy. A policy that says, I am going to get away with my God. I'm going to close the door and put him first. Tell your neighbor, tell him, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. Come on, that's fun to say, shut the door. So here's what happens when you close the door. And we're going to do this together. Some things begin to shift in your life. Some key things happen when you actually live out what Jesus is telling us to do. When I close the door first, there's a, I'm going to give you two today. First thing is this. When you close the door first, you're going to do this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do this in your heart, in your life. It's going to cause you to trust God first. Let me explain that. When I close the door first, I'm going to trust him first. When I close the door first... I'm going to trust him first. Why? Because, because listen, when you think about a closed door, you typically think what that means is I'm getting myself away from all those things that are trying to get my attention, all the things that are trying to grab hold of me, all the things that are, you know, and we think of it as, as protecting us from all those things. And that's true. But the opposite of that is true as well. Not only is it keeping all that stuff from you, it's keeping you from all that stuff. How many control freaks we got in the house? Let me see you. Come on, let me see your hand. Come on, like, come on. You just are like, I know what they should do and this is how they should do it. And I'm gonna tell them what they should do and how they should do it. I know how their situation needs to work out and I'm gonna, and we just feel like if I could put myself in and get, but doesn't there come a certain point where you realize that all of your effort is actually undoing the thing that you think needs to happen? Have you ever seen that happen? And here's what God says to you. Listen, come here, come here, come here. Stop making a mess of all that. Get over here. I need you to do something. Shut the door. But God, if I shut the door, I can't tell him what to do. God, if I shut the door, I can't control it. God, if I shut the door, if I shut the door, God goes, shut the door. In other words, trust me. Trust me. Sure, you're going to do what God tells you to do, in it? But don't you do more. When I shut the door, I'm saying, okay, God, I realize that this isn't about me pulling this off. This isn't about me manipulating the situation. Oh, can I just talk to you for a second? Come on. This isn't about me, you know, working it a certain way to where it goes a certain. This is about me just gonna give you room, God, to do your thing in your way, how you want to, your time. God, I'm just going to, I'm just gonna trust you. When you shut the door first, it forces you, it encourages you to trust him first. I'm not working at it and fretting over it and striving. Here's what I'm doing. I'm praying. I'm trusting. I'm resting. And when you're praying and you're trusting and you're resting, God does this thing. It's called working. That's how he made things. Look, if you're running out there going, I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to. Here's what God. I think God's just going. Okay, okay. You want it your way? Have it your way. And you're out there, outside the door. See, here's the door. I'm stepping outside of the closed door, and I'm just working and manipulating and pushing and striving and straining. And man, you came in here today sweating because you've been working so hard. And he's oh, I'm just going, and I can't believe it. And God's going, God's over here going, hey. Hey, hey, come here. But God, you don't understand if I go over there, then what's going to happen here? God's like, watch me. All right, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. And Okay, God, I just hope you. And God goes, ah. If you want to go out there and do all that you can do, all you're ever going to see is all you can do. But if you come over here and you close the door and you ask me to do what you can't do, you're going to see all that I can do. So either we can watch you work in this or you can watch me work in this. When I close the door first, I'm choosing to trust God first. I'm asking him to show up. I start to pray. You know what God does when we pray? He works. God works through Prayer. Does anyone believe it today? If you believe it today, why haven't you shut the door today? God works through prayer. You see, scripture says this in James chapter five. It says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth what? Much. It gets a lot done. Availeth much what? I always ask the question. Availeth much what? Much work of God. Much God showing up and doing what God can do. Much the Lord doing things that he went, I've been trying, I've been striving, I've been straining for years and it hasn't happened. But now when I took God at his word and I closed the door and I started to trust him, what in the world? That's called God working. The effective fervent prayer, not the effective fervent striving, effective fervent manipulating, effective, no, 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 effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. Come on, you see that? I hope that's encouraging you. I know it's scary, but you're going to learn to close the door, and you're going to watch God work. James chapter 4, verse 2 says this. James 4, 2 says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You're out there striving and straining. You're doing everything you can. You fight and you war. You've gone all the way. Some of you have gone all the way to the place where this is your life right now, fighting and warring. In your path and in your relationships, it is fighting and warring. And it's just, everything's in turmoil all around your life. Why? Because you are desiring things that might even be good things. But instead of bringing those things to God, you're out there trying to manipulate them. You guys with me? And so here's what he says, you, you fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Now look at, ask isn't just like, God, could you come help out over here? No, it's, God, can you work over there? I mean, think about, there are so many Bible illustrations, that I, not even in my scripture, in my notes, but go study the life of David. Go study when David, God told David, gave him a word, you will be king, right? God says it's as good as done. But you know how David spent the rest of, like the majority of his life? Is running from the current king, a guy named Saul, hiding out in caves, being chased, everything else, right? And there's this story, think about this, where, where Saul comes to a cave where David's hiding out. Do you know this story? David's hiding out in this cave with his men. Saul comes in to relieve himself. He had to use the restroom, everybody, and so he takes his coat and he puts it to the side. And his mighty, the men around him say, this is our chance. God has brought him here to our, to our, let's jump him, let's kill him, let's make you king. And David said, nah, who am I to touch the Lord's anointed? Just humility. Think about that. And God made David king, not because David sh- Drove and 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 manipulated and and but because he just kept closing, just kept. Do you feel that? Just God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you work in this. You see, friends, God opens doors when you learn to close doors, and David chose to live his life behind a closed door. And I just want to come on. I want to invite you into that place. When you pray, go in your room, shut the door. Tell your neighbor, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. Shut door in your life. When you shut the door first, you're going to trust God first. So let's do that. This year, we're going to trust God first. Let me give you one more. Think about the shutting of the door. When I close the door first, here's what else happens. I put his will first. When I shut the door first... I put his will first. Church, there's been a, uh, a word rolling around in my heart, in my mind, Tatum and I have been talking about this. We always spend the last couple weeks of the year praying over the new year. And God, what do you have for the new year? And I always, I always ask God, like, give me a word, like, give me just like something to run into the new year with. And this word kept coming to me. And I, I think it's for me, it's for my family. I actually think it's for our church. Actually, I think it might be a word for the church corporately, And I know when I say the word, you're probably not gonna like the word, but it's biblical. And I actually think it's God's heart right now. You ready? Here's your word for the year. Here's our word for the year. Surrender. Like I'm done trying to do everything on my own. I'm done trying to bring my will to the situation. I'm done trying to work it out in the way I want it worked out. Because listen, I've got a God in heaven who's my Father, who sees everything, and who is good. And if I believe that, who am I to go and say, God, I need you to do what I think you should do? Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. He said this, when you pray, pray this way. You ready? Come on, a lot of you got this memorized, right? He goes this, help me out. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, help me out. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pause. Hold up a second. I want you to think about what you just said, okay? Our father. Oh, I love that. This is God. I like how when you call us to pray, it's our father, right? What does that remind me? Man, he's he is a father. He's good. He 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 looks after me. He loves me. He accepts me already. He he welcomes me in. He he smiles. I, I've got a father. Amen? Yeah. Who is in heaven? Oh, he's above it all. He sees it all. He got a better perspective than I got. He sees more than I see. Amen? Okay. So I got a good God who is my father. He's sitting in heaven. He sees everything. Hallowed be thy name. That What does that mean? Just holy is your name. In other words, God, you do all things right. You do all things well, God. You do all things. God, you just do it all good. So now, if I believe the first part of that prayer, I'm going to have no problem with the second part of the prayer. Because it goes, our father who loves me. Sin in heaven has a better perspectives and does all things well. Okay, so now I come to you not going, hey, Father in heaven who does all things well, here's what I think you need to do. And here's how I think you need to do it. And here, and God, I've been waiting, and your time is not my time. And God, your way is not my, and God, I'm getting really frustrated with you. God, I'm, no, I don't come to God who is my Father in heaven does all things well and say, God, here's what I think you need to do. I come to God and say, Lord, what do you want to do? I come to God, like who am I to go before God and say, go get this done? Now, God does because he is gracious. He asks us to bring to him what's called supplication and prayer. So that's really you being very specific about some things you want to see happen in your life. God wants you to pray that way. But here's what you and I need to learn to do. And church, I think we need to come back to this place where we say over all of it, yet Lord, not my will but yours be done. God, not not my agenda, but your agenda. God, I just want to get to this place where I'm walking in surrender. See, some of you, you're like, hold up, that messes everything up for me on on prayer because I thought prayer was all about getting God to do the stuff I need God to do. You're telling me that prayer is about getting me aligned with what it is God wants to do? I'm telling you, I think that there are lives that have been robbed of power and of presence and of anointing, lives that have been, been on the edge of what God wants to do, but never been able to step into what God wants to do because we've been wrestling with God at this point. Is this about your will or my will? Is this about your desires or my desires? Do you trust me, God says? When I close the door, I put his will First. So, I got some things on, as I approach my year and maybe even my current circumstances, where it's like, hey, here's how I want to respond. Come on, right? You know what I mean? Here's what I want to tell them. But then I'm going to have, God, what do you want me to tell them? Here's what I want to do, but God, what do you want to do? See what I'm saying? Here's what I want to say, but God, what do you want me to say? Hey, here's how I want to parent. God, how do you want me to parent? God, here's what, you follow what I'm saying? Every situation and circumstance in our life now becomes just a, God, I want to, I want to know your will. I want to walk in your will because I'm learning to put you first. And putting you first means your will first. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my marriage. Your will be done in my kids, in my vocation, in my finance. God, your will. God, I just want nothing more than your will. That's what a Christian should desire. That's what makes a Christian different. I don't have anything first other than God. I want what God wants. Jesus modeled this for us, didn't he? Think about Jesus at the point of the cross. Sitting in the shadow of the cross, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 22. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What cup is he talking about? He's talking about the cup of suffering that he's about to drink, the cross, that he's about to bear. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But watch this. Yet not my will, but yours be done yet not what I think needs to happen based on the the pressure of the circumstance or the suffering that it looks like I'm about to walk through or the, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus handled his most difficult moments the same way he handled every moment. That was in the posture of surrender that was in the posture of not my will but yours be done and friends if Jesus lived that way we are to as well live that way it needs to be our motto come on are you with me because i'm going to tell you in a second why that's so important or what happens when you get there but i need you to get there like we got to come to this place When we close the door first, we're aligning our lives first with his will first. Okay. So, this isn't like multiple choice. Hey, God. This is how some of us pray. Hey, God. What do you want to do, Lord? Anything. A, B, or C. Right? Do you do that sometimes with God? God, listen. I just want to see. What do you want to do, Lord? Is it A? Is it B? And you come to God with all these, like, here's what I kind of, one of these would be great. God, pick one. Pick one, God, multiple choice. And we give him options. But here's what you've got to understand. If he's your Father who is in heaven, and Hallowed is his name, then I'm going to trust him that if it's not A or B or C, come on, I'm not going to come to him with A, B, and C because he might got a Z somewhere in there that I know nothing about that is far better than what I'm even thinking based on what I'm seeing. And I'm not supposed to be walking by what I'm seeing. I'm supposed to be walking in faith. Trusting. Walk by faith, not by sight. Are you with me, church? Now, here's what happens if we get to that place. Are you in that place? If you're not in that place today, when you leave here, come on. You're just going to commit yourself to getting to that place. Not my will, but yours be done something powerful happens in that place. That won't happen in any other place. When we fully yield our lives to the call of God and to the will of God, we find power in that place. There's, there's a supernatural power, supernatural strength that rests on the life that is fully yielded to God. There is a presence of God in the life of a person who's walking with God in that place. And it's really interesting. It it says in the book of Philippians that Jesus, watch this, being found in the appearance of man, humbled himself. Man, it sure is humbling, isn't it, to come before God and, and just kind of empty myself of myself and just yield myself to him. It's just, it's, that's what humility is. It's not making much of myself so I can make more of him. Just humble. Being found in the appearance of man he humbled himself and became look at that word obedient. Now we don't talk a lot about that. Obedience? What is that? Surrender? Just saying yes? Even if I might not get it, might not even super like it, but even if I don't get it and I might not super like it, I'm gonna trust that if God's in it, it's the best thing. And so Jesus found the appearance, of man humbled himself and became obedient even to death, even to death on a cross. Like the the idea is this: this is the highest level of obedience Jesus is living in the highest level of submission to his father in this moment but therefore because he lived in this place of obedience and submission and therefore it says God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name Because he made himself low and he walked in submission and he yielded his life, God lifted him up. And some of you think, no, that's just for Jesus. Yes, of course. His name will always be the name that is above every name. His name will always be, he he is the one who is above it all. But Christian, come here. The Bible says in James 4, 6, I will resist the proud, but I will give grace to the humble. I will, listen, resist. I will, I will hold you back. I will slow your roll. I will put the brakes on. I will, God says, I will resist. The word, it's stronger even than that. It means, God said, I'll go to war with you if I have to. I will resist the proud. Some of you feel like, in your life, like, why is there such so, much frustration and so much turmoil? And, like, and I just, I just gotta ask, friend. Listen, I gotta ask. Are you closing the door? Are you humbling yourself before God? Because if we're not closing, if I haven't come to this place of closing the door, I'm out here living in pride. Me, my, go, me, right. When I close the door, it's just humility. It's just, God, you first. God, all things you. God, God. I'm, I just want to be with you. I want your will. I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to humble myself before you right here in this moment. God, I'm going to ask that you meet me here in this moment. And he says this, I'll resist the proud, but I'll give grace, come on, guys, to the humble. Grace. What's grace? It's everything you need in every moment that you need it. It's God showing up with a supernatural strength to carry you through the things you thought you couldn't walk through. Supernatural power to uphold you in moments where you thought you would crumble. It's, it's wisdom from God that you, you just can't get anywhere else. It's a peace that passes all understanding. People look at you and go, what's going on with you? How do you have peace? You're like, it's not my peace. This, isn't my, this is literally not my peace. This is God's peace resting on me. And I know you look at the situation and say there's no way I should have peace, but I've been behind a closed door. I've humbled myself before God, and I can't explain it. There's just a power in that place you can't get in any other place. Church, we've got to get to that place. For your sake and for the sake of our city for the sake of our nation, for the sake of our world. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives change through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us.